Coming up, the NBA trade deadline live as Sean Marks is already cooking. Spencer Dinwiddie, Royce O'Neal out the door. Who came back in return? And are there other moves along the way? We dive in coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the sultry sounds of the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. He's Doug Norrie. I'm Adam Armbrecht. We're live on YouTube breaking down the trade deadline for the NBA and specifically for your Brooklyn Nets. And thankfully, Doug, after a little bit of a quiet start, the Nets started cooking. Sean Mark started making deals and we're finally seeing some of those veteran players get moved. The question becomes, do we feel good about the return on those investments? Well, great news coming to you live on location from my childhood bedroom that's been turned into an office by my dad. If everyone's seeing you the new background, so that's a child. If I'm reading, well, you know me. Tr- tradition states that I go spend uh, the deadline somewhere else besides my home. It's a yearly tradition that we keep that we <laughs> that we keep going with, um, and we'll just keep going on that forever. Now, exciting day. Been at the kind of grinding on this all day long with different news coming in from all over the NBA, keeping up with projections, keeping up, waiting and waiting and waiting for the Nets to actually do something they did you know we'll we'll talk about the uh severity or the um you know it's just like how much of a ground shift this really was if anything but uh overall it's been a lively if not again groundbreaking deadline with the nets making some moves that are going to for sure at least in the short term make the team look pretty different let's go ahead and hit these in order and we'll take time to to mix it up with everybody in the live chat we'll obviously cover any breaking news which is always fun to do simultaneously while having these talks First one came down with Spencer Dinwiddie. Toronto and the Brooklyn Nets make a deal. Spencer Dinwiddie goes out. Dennis Schroeder and Thad Young come back in. The the further details on this from a contract standpoint, we knew that Spencer Dinwiddie was obviously expiring, and we can talk about some of the tension inside of the organization and his role. But Schroeder, 30 years old, he has another year on his contract after this one at just north of $13 million, and then you have $8 million on Thad Young. Instant reaction. Does this, I mean, at least feel good from the standpoint that a low-value player in Spencer Dinwiddie at least returned functionality and then flexibility in terms of having some movable contracts in the offseason or going forward. Yeah, he was the biggest question mark, I thought, going from into the deadline because it was really unclear about like where the like sort of where the organization stood on him. There's been sort of conflicting reports around like his happiness. And then, you know, there was even talk that he was going to get we we speculated that he might get bought out and it was put out there uh on you know, the old social media platforms. And he actually jumped on it and said, that's not true. I'm not going to get bought out. And then kind of went and kind of defended himself. But we, but he defended himself in a lot of ways that we had said going into the trade deadline, which was like, well, on the one hand, he seems unhappy. On the other hand, they put him on the other team's best player and he plays defense every night and he plays a lot of minutes. And that doesn't right. usually happen with guys just that, you know, you're unhappy with. So it was a really sort of difficult situation to gauge although it's not surprising to see him on the move here this move obviously is Dinwiddie for um Thad Young it was reported briefly that Dennis Smith Jr. had been included in this deal but then they that was since walked back he's Dennis Smith Jr. still on the team so Dinwiddie for Thad Young and Den- Dennis Schroeder uh, it's basically like move out an unhappy part possibly unhappy part get in salary matching 
mm-hmm. with Dennis Schroeder who can a dribble the ball up the court for you. Cause you just lost your starting point guard and B is on another is on money for next year. That might be a tradable contract next year as an expiring 13 million. And sometimes those deals can kind of be helpful to help facilitate trades basketball yeah. perspective. I mean, we'll have time to talk about that, but I, that's kind of, that was my initial reaction to this was money deal maybe move off a guy that you said you were going to try to trade and they did it and kind of nothing more. I don't see it as a huge needle mover. Schroeder's better at some things worse than others. Yeah, that's about right to me as well. And we know whatever the expectations were coming into the year for uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and this team very early on, things seem to shift and that could be, you know, correlating with the injuries to Ben Simmons. It can be correlated with the rise of Cam Thomas. We'll talk more specifically, as you said, about the team. And then also just when these come in, there's always something more that can happen here because it started out as Spencer Dinwiddie for Dennis Schroeder, then Spencer Dinwiddie for Dennis Schroeder and Thad Young, right? Then, oh, maybe Dennis Smith Jr. Nope, pull that back. So we know that these things kind of come fast and furious here. The second trade that went down then was with one Royce O'Neal. You and I talked about this on our preview show, saying that he was the most likely, we thought, to be moved here. As it stands right now, he's going to the Phoenix Suns to reunite with Kevin Durant, three second round picks and salary match. So if we look inside of the Phoenix Suns and where they stand from two fronts, and there's an additional trade that happened here with Phoenix that can maybe inform uh, where the Nets will be living. Second round picks, 2024 from San Antonio, that's protected 31 to 54. 2026 from Detroit, Milwaukee, or Orlando, least favorable with no protections. And then they have 2028 from uh, Memphis and from Boston, and then also a 2029 from Memphis as well. So you'd like to think maybe that 2026 one gets in the mix here if we're just talking about potential high-end Detroit, right? Like maybe seeing how they shake out. But in the end, does this at least feel like cost a first-round pick to get them? We said that was too much at the time, but you get three second-round picks, and, and we'll see who these players end up being if they actually matter relative to this roster. Yeah, look, these are like just three dark throws, second round picks. I think at this point, it was going to be way worse. I do, you know, do we love the trade compared to what they unloaded for him to begin with? Of course not. Um, but as we saw with how this trade market has developed, these role players were coming a lot, a lot cheaper than they have been in years past. I, like there were other moves that we can highlight where it's like, you know, Bojan Bogdanovic and Alec Burks got traded for Quentin Grimes and some second rounders. So, like, once I saw that trade go down with the Knicks, I was like, oh, Nets aren't getting first round value on some of these guys. Like it was right. just obvious. Right. Like like um like Bojan's a plug and plug and play player on a playoff team, right? And like and so to get two of those guys to go out the door, I only bring that up to say once I saw that trade go through the Knicks, I was r- really sure that they the organization had to probably readjust their priors on where it was all in all three second round picks. Like, is it great? No, but it's something. And he's on an expiry deal and he was unlikely to resign here. I think short of them bringing in a superstar. So I think that that's fine when it comes to the players that are coming over. So I know people wanted old friend Yuta Watanabe to come back. He was, he actually went to the Grizzlies. So he is not going to be part of this deal. We're waiting to hear who it is. They have three salary Three guys that would be salary fillers so it would be um, Kata Bates Diop, uh, Jordan Goodwin, and she has uh, uh, Metu. So I, I'm not positive as we're talking if all three of these guys are coming or if it's going to be like a combo, combo deal and one of these other guys is going to get passed through somewhere else. That part has not been confirmed, though I'm happy to be wrong about that and be corrected. So that's mm-hmm. like one piece of news that we are waiting for. I mean, what was your reaction to this? It feels it feels kind of like a nothing, but again, 
even anything back at Royce, I think is probably fine at this point with the understanding that we didn't want to Seth Curry this thing. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> we're right. We didn't want to, you didn't want to hear from Doug and I after the deadline saying, why is this player still on the roster? And and it's different even too, because I think Royce O'Neal, unlike uh, you know, Seth Curry, who has value on a roster, but not to the team in the current state, the Nets were last year. But Royce is a versatile player, right? He can guard a couple of different positions defensively. You can play him in a lot of different roles in the front court. He has the three-point shooting. So he is a valuable player. And you mentioned about how the market, listen, it wasn't the same that you thought it was going to be. We could sit here and say, well, you should have done it a year ago when you traded for Kevin Durant. You should have been looking at you know, the Dorian Finney-Smith trades and the Royce O'Neal trades and been striking while you know the proverbial iron was hot. Okay, but you didn't, right? And you played that out. So at some point, as you say, if he's going to expire and then just walk in free agency, get value now. And listen, second round picks are dart throws, but I'll but I'll at least take a chance on that. And who knows whether it's this offseason, whether it's next trade deadline, when the team looks different, when the expectations are different, maybe those second round picks turn into adding a, a key player that you want to have in your bench unit, right? So it, well, it, it doesn't yeah. hurt to have more of those assets because they always help facilitate something else down the line. And we've said this forever, like Sean Marks is traditionally drafted pretty well, and he just hasn't done it enough, right? Just because of the way the organization has moved, they just haven't drafted much. If you just compare the number of draft picks that they've had over the years compared to the rest of the NBA, it's it's way less, right? So just right. because of uh, just the mechanics of different stuff. But when they did, I mean, frankly, a second round pick for them is probably going to start tonight. Jalen Wilson's probably, I, I think, going to end up starting for the Nets tonight just because so many other guys are either gone and, you know, That's are really in, tra traveling now or already out. Like when I was going through the active roster for the Nets, I, I actually didn't know who would start if he didn't start <laughs> just because like Dorian Finney Smith's out, Cameron Johnson's out, Royce has been traded, Spencer Dinwiddie's out. And so it's like, I saw, so anyway, my long story short is second round picks, if you're good at drafting, Second round picks can be something, right? It's just, it's just it's sort of the beauties in the eye of the beholder. So I think I'm ultimately, again, going to be okay with this. This is actually kind of my expectation. I, I thought that this would be where they landed with Royce. It was going to be like, it's not going to be a first rounder. Like I said, just not to repeat myself, but like right when I saw a few of these other deals that went out in the morning, I was like, now I know it's not going to be a first rounder, <laughs> right? Like, I'm just like, I'm just sure about it. And so um, once that happened, to get even low level picks back. They, they, they need, I, I I'm still at the camp that they need as many picks as possible. Like that's just kind of where they are. The other last note here as it currently stands is Harry Giles has been waived by the Brooklyn Nets, presumably because the salary match is coming back in. Remember they took back two players in the Dinwiddie deal. So they get plus one there. Then they may take two back in, in the Royce O'Neal deal. So they need to make some space. We could spend Doug an hour just talking about why was Harry Giles even on this roster, but let's not get into it. Right it's like it's a, it's a fact they had to even make the announcement. He really wasn't on the team anyway. Like right. so, I mean, <laughs> should have been good. Harry on. Giles remains not a part of the Brooklyn Nets roster. That's not, nothing against him. Yeah, this no. is a, this is like an anti-Harry Giles thing. But like the way they treated him, he might as well not been on the team. So I'm surprised they even did the press release. And just didn't, ask you, like just you know change his name in the locker room because they just treated him like he wasn't on the team anyway. So whatever. Before we get into um, specifically how each of these trades impacts, and mostly the, the the Dennis Schroeder one, right? Because he is a functional a functional player, rotation, backcourt, second unit, all that good stuff. You mentioned about the Royce O'Neal. When you saw the Knicks trade, the one thing I will say is when I saw that one, my first thought was when I didn't know if the Nets were going to make any moves or not was, well, if the Nets could have gotten Grimes for Royce O'Neal and you know something or other, there is I think going to be a version when the, when the when the smoke clears on the deadline. We'll be able to go back and look at somewhat comparable trades that occurred around come in contributing rotational players 
and we'll be able to grade how good or bad it was that the Brooklyn Nets ultimately went with three second round picks for an expiring Royce O'Neal. So I'm fine with what they got for him, but I can look out and see young player X coming in from over here. Like, I think that's also the other thing that, that Sean Marks and the Nets should always be trying to do in any of these moves. Doesn't mean they're available, but I, I initially thought, okay, tell me what happens with Royce here, because we were a fan, at least of Quentin Grimes coming out of the draft. And he's a young player and someone that you could see being a part of the future of a young team that's in that rebuilding kind of process. Yeah, that 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 deal, like I said, I think that that deal one was a market setter too. Um, it was like a great deal for that. I mean, the Knicks, the Knicks got better, man. Like they that yeah. that team yeah, they went they're, real they're, now. They're going for it here. They got deeper, and they got guys who can play in the playoffs, and they just look like they're like mini going for it here. I don't say like a full going for it, but like around the guys that they already have. I really like the trade deadline for the Knicks, but yeah, I'm always, uh, I, we, we had said that the, the goal really for this year and this trade deadline had to be try to get even marginally younger and try to restock some of the draft, like as much as possible. They just need it. Like, cause the draft thing, they're just going to need no matter what they're going to need it in case they just try to make a deal for a superstar. Or if they can't, they got to have something around to start to replenish these guys. Free agency is less and less of an option uh, year over year just with like real, you know, needle moving players. So I think like, I guess for me, you know, it's two fifteen right now and I, we're live on YouTube obviously, but, and I'm not really expecting too much else to happen here. I think the waving of Giles was probably a signal that they're done because I just don't, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't know why they would wave them. They don't, I don't think they had to wave them now until everything was facilitated at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I players are getting right. waved There's now. Like, like when you're all said and done to line yourself up. Well, yeah, but I mean, if you're signing it and you know the guys are coming in, you have to, you can't be over the limit, right? Like, right. Uh, no matter what. But, you know, and we've already seen some other guys get waved, like Pistons waving everybody here. Like, Pistons waved Daniel House. They just waved Killian Hayes. Their old friend Joe Harris just got waved. So, like, there's, it's waving season for some of these teams to get it through. So maybe that was part of it. But I, I suspect this is kind of like the end of the line for the Nets. Happy to be surprised if we see like a first for Dorian Penny Smith, but there's like no, there's no rumblings of that at all right mm-hmm. now. Looks like DeJounte Murray stuff's kind of dead. Um, you know, all in all, fairly trade. I, I think, honestly, like a fairly quiet trade deadline. Some interesting kind of things happen we can talk about later, but I think the Nets at this point are probably done. And I'm sure that like the, some of the names I just mentioned, like House or even Killian Hayes, could perk people's ears up, but I don't mm-hmm. see those. I don't see that happening for the Nets. I just because I just don't think that's where they are with their roster. And also guys getting cut or released following trades or different moves that that doesn't need to be resolved today, right? Those guys could be discussed and looked at by other teams for for the days to come here. And I I just don't think the Nets are like in buyout candidates. Like they're not they're not one of these teams here. Like I just don't think that they're. I'm just guessing, but they just they don't line up to be one of those teams either to like take on some of these guys. Again, could be wrong, but I just don't sense. I don't get the sense that that's what's going to happen. Well, because I think in a lot of ways too, like they were, they I think they were reluctant, right, to want to make these moves, specifically with Royce O'Neal, right. You're you're swapping out some parts when it comes to Spencer Dinwiddie and Schroeder, um, but, but they were reluctant to do that. So. When you're a total, whether or not perceptually or otherwise, bottom of the barrel team, then you want to take flyers on guys, right? Give them some run at the back end of the season. In spite of these moves that the Nets made today, 
I think it's still going to be the same agenda coming out of this deadline. We, we want to win basketball games, right? We're, we're still trying to push for that play-in tournament. They didn't make seismic shifts here where they got rid of, you know, Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson, right? Any of these, these key contributors, or even Nicholas Claxton that was speculated around this deadline as well. Maybe something ends up happening, but, but we'll wait and see. Before we tap back into specifically the Schroeder and how that impacts the rotation and roster, just a, we'll, we'll touch base with you guys, the faithful listeners, over, almost over 250 strong going here on YouTube. Um, I'm just going to throw this one up real quick. I didn't know Cesar. I, I couldn't even begin to speculate who's the, who's the hierarchy between Watford and sharp. I'm going to go ahead and be bold here. I think Dayron sharp is a much better player than Harry Giles. That would be my takeaway there, but there always has been an affinity for players like that. The other one I will say coming in from MJW, these moves just seem to be done with no direction in sight. I, I disagree on this. They, yeah, so it, do I. there's clearly a direction here. Expiring contract, Royce O'Neal, get value, whatever it looks like. You got value. Spencer Dinwiddie unhappy. And then again, while he was expiring and Schroeder and Young aren't, that that is salary matching capabilities for the offseason or for next year's deadline, however it shakes out. So this actually does speak to, we understand the position we're in right now. We're still going to try to win games and all that stuff with our core, but this starts to set us up for future moves. So I actually think this was well, a nice step in the right direction. Yeah. Thad Young is expiring this year, um, but Schroeder is not. Thad Young is. Are, are, do you want to double check this? Yeah, um, I will. But, but I'm like pretty. I'm like pretty positive that he's okay. uh, eight million here, and then and then that's the end of it. But um, okay. Schroeder is thirteen million for next year. And like I said, if you knew you're going to send Dinwiddie out, one is they 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 had to get some ball handler back, right? Like they yes. had to get they had to get some sort of tradable money back in. Oh yeah, Schroeder's he's out. Sorry, still, uh, eight million done for for Young. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Schroeder's still. I mean, Schroeder's been like at every team in the league over the last six years, but he also is still a live body. He was relegated to the bench now because they had changed their starting lineup. There, well, after the RJ Barrett and IQ trade quickly trades, they had moved Schroeder to like a sort of a six man ball handler, close sometimes, kind of like depended on the matchup, but um, had been starting and then moved. Like he'll definitely like you know be able to run some pick and roll, get to the mm-hmm. rim, not an incredible shooter, but hasn't been terrible this year, 35% from three. Well, you know, it can kind of come off the bench if like need be. I think like he's been, uh, he, he's been bounced around enough here that like, I think he can come and just kind of like plug and play and you just kind of know what you're getting. And it's not going to be amazing, but it's not gonna be terrible. You know what I mean? And <laughs> if you, and if it's a, and if it's an expiring contract for next year that you can couple together with some stuff for like maybe a bigger salary, I think it kind of makes sense. And I think I still have to put the caveat on it that, you know, Dinwiddie, it just felt like the time had come, had come yeah. due here. I, I just didn't, it was just, I, I would have been, we would be shocked if he came back. Right. Like I just, I thought, but again, I thought he was going to get bought out maybe and, or something like that. Cause I was just, wasn't, it felt like he had tanked the value so much because he'd just been kind of just bad right for like mm-hmm. a month now like the numbers if you look at it, are such a drop off month over month some of that's design right cam thomas starting and you know the, you know just getting fewer shots but also just and then that's running sort of a different offensive scheme but i was i just was like who's trading for him now right mm-hmm. <laughs> like i just couldn't it was just so hard to see it so i think to get to at least just maybe like even just make a lateral move in that case i think is probably just fine i think they'll make use of thad young at the four here for like the second half of the season that's my you know I, th- I can see a world where you know they'll love to go small ball like he small ball fives it for for periods of time you know especially if sharp's not back yet so i can kind of squint and see it with the understanding that you just kind of had to understand the spencer dinwiddie situation to like know that they probably were 
just he wasn't going to come back after 3 p.m. no matter what. Yeah, and there is something too you mentioned about Young, you know, 6'8", 235 again, like and he played we played with the Nets going back a handful of years. Like you can you can understand how at least in the short term he helps them at a position at a position of need and unlike say a Harry Giles if he's on the roster you assume he's going to get some run here as well and give them a little bit of that Dorian Finney-Smith versatility. Who's that? Okay. Oh, oh Thad Young. Sorry, Thad Young is going to get run. He said that's, that's yeah, yeah. That like that oh, you yeah, can yeah. just you can just see a small ball lineup. You said a small ball lineup. Dorian Finney-Smith. They they put Roy, they were sticking Royce O'Neal at the five at times, right? So let's get a little bit more size here that we can kind of work with. Obviously, and he's thirty five years old and is expiring, so you don't have to worry about it too much beyond that. The just on the shorter piece, like if you want to if you want to squint and see some value, thirty five percent from beyond the arc. That's his best mark since twenty nineteen twenty back with uh, Oklahoma City. You mentioned there as well. This is his one two three four five six stop since twenty eighteen nineteen after being with the Hawks to start his career. I'm fine with it. I actually the other thing I like about it. You mentioned how Dennis Smith Jr. got thrown in and then pulled out of the mix here. So maybe there's something to come here. We had mentioned him or Lonnie Walker expiring deals. What's your long term plan? I, the other thing you can like about having Schroeder, if you specifically think, hey, he's in the bench unit, right? No no upsetting the apple cart with Cam Thomas, starter now, right? Not coming out of the rotation as a starter. Then you can like the fact that Dennis Smith Jr. is a more defensive-minded backcourt player and Schroeder is a more offensive-minded, right? Like you can see how game to game or matchup to matchup, maybe you find more value in one player or the other because that was always the downside here with Dennis Smith Jr. As much as we like him, he's not a guy that you expect to take somebody off the dribble or create his own space, can get at the basket, and then the perimeter shooting was very much hit or miss. So I think you like the offensive upside for a team that in fourth quarters of late, right, sometimes couldn't find a bucket if their life depended on it. Live shooting body from a from a Schroeder standpoint. Again, they just I, I, not to be glib about it. They once they traded Dinwiddie, they just need they needed someone else that could like literally just dribble the ball up the court. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So I, they, hey, you can't well, rely you. on Simmons. Simmons is not playing thirty minutes out of the box here, and. If Dinwiddie did handle a lot of those ball hand duties, at least getting it into the mid court, into the front court, and then just you know running the pistol actions, which they basically just do every time, right? Like so, um, or the, so I think that like they just needed to get somebody. They really need to get somebody. I actually really actually kind of had a mini, not a panic, but I, when when I thought DSJ was included in that deal, I was like, oh baby, though, who who's gonna play? They got nothing. Really clearing uh, like they yeah. like yeah, I was really really worried about that. Um, just for the short term, but doesn't seem, but for whatever reason, they got that. Uh, taken off the table still trying to confirm here who's coming from the suns um that is not totally clear to me at this point so let me do i'm gonna do a little two seconds worth of digging here on this and see if this has been if i just missed it i don't think i did um but we'll just make sure we, the, we, yeah, we can also yeah. we can also talk about there's some other deals that went down today which are you know moderately interesting nothing crazy pj one of the bigger ones pj washington goes to dallas for grant williams and seth curry i think that's a uh, Pretty big upgrade for Dallas. Um, and we, and they um, we also already swapped talked about out who they swap out homes for for who? Oh, for Daniel yeah. Gafford, I think. Yeah, yeah which like right? I know yeah. like Alex, that really matter it might just be like a money move because I don't think Gafford has a lot and it was like 12 million for for homes, but they seem to make like a team like Dallas seem to make the the tweaks, right? Like, you know, they just they had just signed Grant Williams, but you need you knew you needed to correct your hierarchy and your role players a bit more here if you wanted to really get a run in yet. Yeah, so there's yeah that I think that's a moderately interesting move. Like Gordon Hayward goes to the Thunder. He hadn't really been playing for a while. He goes for I think like Bertans and maybe Micic. Um, maybe maybe that's it. So yeah, it some was- other 
low level ish. I mean, I, I would call I would call the PJ Washington like more than a low level move. Like that's an interesting move. Like he could probably start for them and be pretty interesting there with Kyrie and Luca. But um, and obviously like it'll be interesting to see where the Knicks end up landing with Bojan and Burke. I mean, Burks will definitely come off the bench. But like they've been hurting, they've been hurting for bodies bad because they they've been having to basically run their starters 40 plus minutes every single game because every single guy is hurt and Tibbs just like you six are playing and that's it. Um, and so they have some more guys coming in. But otherwise, like across the NBA, I, I, I we didn't see really any huge, huge things happen here. Mostly just low level moving some contracts around guys who maybe weren't out there welcome or just like weren't part of long term futures kind of stuff like that. Um, yeah, you know, some head scratch like the Pistons is always kind of like a little confusing to what's going on there, but whatever. And <laughs> but, that's, um, but that's the Pistons' mo. <laughs> you never know which way they're swinging here. And a, and some teams just did nothing, you know, like you know the Bucks traded they got Pat Bev in, in for campaign, like that was their move. Lakers nothing, right? Celtics nothing, uh, Nuggets nothing. I mean, and 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 some of these teams weren't expected to be really like I think they mostly probably see themselves as being like sort of what they are. Um. But I think all in all, you know, the big pieces that people were wondering about DeJounte Murray, like that doesn't seem like that. That seems like it's going to stamp out, although we do have like, you know, 34 minutes left to go. Yeah, yeah obviously. Uh, the one uh, there was one good comment here. The OKC real quick, though, when you saw they did the Gordon Hayward and they were there was at least some like low level rumors that they were one of the teams that was starting to garner some interest with DFS. Uh, do you look do you look at that trade? and think anything about the players you see there and say like, Hey, I know he's under contract for multiple years, but should the Nets have entertained that type of move based on the players they got in return, you know, and just moving off of a veteran that you could obviously make different decisions later. Wait, who is that? Who, who, who's the player you uh, said first? Jordan Finney Smith going to OKC. When they start talking to Gordon Hayward, you figure, Hey, maybe they went to Gordon Hayward because they were in on a few different guys, but the Nets seemed out of all the players, Dorian Finney-Smith has been the guy that the Nets seem to set the highest benchmark for for trading. And likely, I, I would assume we find out that the Nets just kept kind of saying, no, sorry, not enough. Yeah, nope, yeah. not enough when it came to him, right? Yeah, good call. Because every yeah, good call by you because we hadn't really talked about uh, DFS at all. So he was another one where, you know, he looks like he's still going to be on the team. That There was a case to be made that that was okay, right? I think let's, it's always risky where he is with his age curve. Uh, mm-hmm. right. Cause he's like entering his 31 age 31 season, but he's been really good for them this year. He's the kind of guy where if you were going to make a move in the next year or two, you can envision just keeping him on the team. The salary, the contract's great, right? 15 million next year, 15 million player option for the year after. And I'm actually don't know, like there's a world where he picks that up. Right. So yeah. I, I think that there's, I think he's a guy because he has two years, potentially two years left on the contract because he is plug and play on so many different rosters. We already know they valued him like really high. If they're turning down even low end of first round picks for them, like two, it seems like they may have done that. This one was close. I probably still would have taken the picks, but I can tell a story where it makes sense that they kept them because if they're still trying to like even get in the play in this year, which they're probably going to be then, or they're definitely going to be, then he does make sense for this roster. So, I mean, that's where, what do we, what was our guess on DFS before the, uh, in the trade we deadline show? We thought he would stay. We said he yeah. stayed. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
And I also then really even specifically on that, it was like when you look at Trey Mann, who came over in the Gordon Hayward trade, right? Point guard, 23 years old and thinking about that type of upside on a player like that. One other note um, that I actually thought who brought this up here because I started it. Um, McCory saying with the Royce deal, I think uh, we weaken we weaken weakens future Phoenix's picks who we have. I think what you're saying is it, it makes it look better. The outlook can look a little bit stronger as the Phoenix Suns continue to look to get older continue to push for win now mode, right? Like, so if you want to also look big picture here, you expected Phoenix to try to be all in and they are, they're sending everything out. They're going all in with the roster that they have. And even though, listen, you know, we'll, we'll see the picks when they get here. It at least looks like picks that we thought could be pretty good at the time of the trade down the road. They're only getting better because Phoenix is committed to trying to do everything they can to win now. And they're only getting older with the moves that they're making. Oh, you're saying like why help and how why help improve Phoenix with a Royce O'Neal for picks that might be worse? Is that the question? I think no. I think what I think what McCory is saying. I think what he's saying is that hey, this gets better for the Brooklyn Nets because Phoenix is getting older. They're giving up more, right? So when you look down the line, this team is going to be even more depleted. I, I think that's what he's going with. Or at least I'll offer the perspective. This does at least make that outlook look better, right? Phoenix is more committed now. They continue to be committed now, as you would expect. And it means 27, 28, 29, 30. Like when you look down the road, those picks could be whatever we think their value could be. They should only be increasing, at least speculatively right now. Yeah, got it. I think those are always going to be just hard to tell. I, I've been probably a little more lukewarm on how great those picks are because while they mortgage a lot of their future, I still think like Devin Booker is going to be on the team and they're just going to have some other guys. So I just some reason to commit. Yeah. To being, I think I just, it was hard for me to ever see the path where they were like these awesome picks, like sort of where the Rockets picks for the nets are trending towards. Right. I was, but you know, life comes at you fast in the, in the, in the NBA. So I could be wrong about that. I just wasn't willing to lock in the, Oh my God, these are gonna be top 10 lottery picks or whatever because Phoenix is going to stink so bad because they cost themselves so much. I just was hard, a little harder for me to see it then. Yeah, I got you, buddy. Don't worry. I get overexcited too. You should uh, see Doug try to spell check me when I'm uh, writing up titles for the show. What uh, did you get right? Sorry. I, 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 no, I'm, no, no. Just, just so everyone knows, I'm, I'm tracking news here while we're while we're doing this too. Just the, no, the just live McCrory, nature of the uh, show. McCrory just saying, I, I got what his sentiment was correct. Trying to read through some of the lines there. 3D right, boxing uh, also right. offers up. What do you think the Nets will do with all these second round picks? Package them to move up or try to get a player for them? There's another nice, just again, footnote while we're waiting to see if any other news shakes out. Same thing. You know, we, we talk about tonight. Jalen Wilson is probably going to play for the Brooklyn Nets and you know, maybe start. Who knows with all the injuries and everything else they have going on. He's a success story in the second round for the Brooklyn Nets. Nick Claxton, success story for the Brooklyn Nets. If you think about going forward and just in any of these given drafts, is there a targeted player that we want to go get, whether it's taking all those picks to go get one guy in the second round or making a one or two positional move in the first round to target a guy that you want that, that I like, that's what I like having the picks for is to say, okay, if we think there's a player we want more than another team, we want to jump one team. We'll give you, I'll give you all three second round picks I got for Royce O'Neal in the first round of a draft a couple of years down the line because we really want player X, right? It just offers you flexibility or sweetens the deal when you need to make a trade. So I, I whatever they choose to do, this is one area from a GM standpoint that I do trust Sean Marks. He's usually been, as you said, pretty good, whether it's drafting or just utilizing these assets in ways that help improve the team. Yeah, and these the second round picks have like contractual value because I'm pretty sure they go a year out at less money than the first. Um, let me double check that. Anyway, they um, I, again, I I still subscribe to the idea that Marks would be good as a good GM, like with a draft 
with a draft only rebuild mm-hmm. because he's just has drafted above slot so many times already on the guys that they have, right? Like we, we just go, always go down the list of Cam Thomas, Daron Sharp. These guys are like already improving relative toward where they originally drafted him. Like even guys like Lavert. I mean, I know Lavert like wasn't technically their pick, but it really, he, it was right. Um, and so, cause I think it was like, Detroit or something, but it's it's like sometimes it's impossible to track like NBA drafts because like these picks get conveyed through other teams, but they're actually the <laughs> other teams. So then you look who drafted them. You're like the next have Nets haven't picked in seven years, but you're like no, they have. It's just, <laughs> it's just it's, um. So anyway, I it's just you know, and then if you gave them a chance to like draft in the top ten two years in a row or something like that, like who knows? Like they could crush those right. slots. Like you're allowed to go over slot on better picks also. And so I'm always I've always felt pretty confident with his ability to sort of in the team's ability to sniff out values in the, in those ranges. Um, and so I don't like, that's why I don't mind getting the second round picks back. I mean, there's still bodies here. Guys appear like, are they usually superstars? No, but are they guys that can actually play? And if they, the Nets made good decisions about these guys in the past. Yeah. Like they have. So um, if it's three for, if it's a three second rounders for a team that again, like desperately needs picks, they just, they do need it. Like just the way they're set up here over the next couple of years, especially if they're thinking about unloading picks for another star at some point, which they're almost for sure going to have to do if that's the path they're going to take. They need every piece. They need every single asset that they can get. So even if it's three bad ones, I I think that that's, I just think that that's fine. I I know some fans are probably disappointed with that. Folds right into a question here from Nicholas Clayton, not Nicholas Claxton. Um, Do you agree with the general sense that the Nets are targeting Spider, uh, Spider, uh, uh, Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell? And do you agree with this route? I do not. Uh, So just in terms of you said, get as many assets as you can because you can use them. I'm going to tell you right now, the other thing that's happened here, which you anticipate, stronger teams getting stronger. We mentioned the Knicks earlier. The Knicks still have a ton of draft capital. I think if you want to talk about what's more likely, it's more likely that the Knicks have a good season this year, a good playoff run this year. And they go, and if, if Donovan Mitchell is going to be moved, the New York Knicks are going to be the team that says, hey, we'll dump everything in this because they're right there. They're on the precipice. They have a ton of draft assets as well. Like, I, I don't know if the Donovan Mitchell pursuit is still what is the speculated agenda for the Brooklyn Nets. And you and I have already had this conversation that I don't think he is the guy that I would push all the chips in on as currently constituted. When you look at this roster right now, that wouldn't be the piece that I say you add and it dramatically changes as in Eastern conference finals, as in, you know, trips to the finals. That's not the one move that it would take. It would take more than that. Yeah. I don't, I just hard for me, it's been hard to picture of like what's around it. Right. I think that that's the harder thing that I, that I have trouble envisioning. It's like, okay, it's bridges. It's it's Mitchell and Claxton, I guess. And you're hoping, I I guess at that point that Simmons returns to like, you know, some functional functional ability to be able to play 30 minutes a night for 60 games a year or something like that. I, I don't hold out tons of hope for stuff like that, but I know some people do. There was a little bit just for me. It was always harder to see what the build was around it because unlike the Katie and Kyrie piece, we're bringing in a star where they gave up no assets to do such to do so because it was free agency with Mitchell, the way that the contract is, I mean, unless you're waiting two years, but because you're waiting, you think he's actually going to hit like full blown free agency. And not like this, you know, pre-agency, like people call it now. Because remember, he's under contract for next year, player option the year after, but he's not going to pick that up. So the, I guess for me, it was like, okay, well, if you're going to trade for him next year, once you do that, like, what do you, what does the rest of the team even look like? Because because that that's the biggest problem with a move like that. It's like, 
Yeah, he's great. He's awesome. Like I was watching him last night. I was like, yeah, I would love to watch this guy every single night. Like he's just absolutely right. um, playing the uh, Wizards. Yeah, like just destroying it. Hit him just this crazy three pointer to basically ice the game, where he's like off balance under the shot clock, taking it to the rack all the time. Clearly the alpha on that team, you know, between him and Garland. So it's like obvious you can see him in a Nets uniform and killing it. It was more like, what? Is uh, Tim Bridges and like what? Like how far are you going with this as your core? And you ha- and again don't have any enough draft picks like really left to like restock things or, um. Right. And so I think that was always my problem. It's not really an anti Donovan Mitchell thing. He's he's awesome. Like he's so fun yeah. to watch. And you know, are you moving on a camp from Cam Thomas at that point, right? Like or something. I I just don't. It was just I've just had a harder time maybe than some others seeing the vision around the rest of it. And maybe that's my lack of creativity. I don't know, but. Um, which I'm willing to be wrong about, but I just, no, that, yeah. does that make sense? I think that's kind of where I land. Yeah, no, I, well, and it, you had pointed this out previously, and I, I, of course, agree with you on it of, you don't get to double spend assets, right? So you say, well, you have all these picks. Yes, you go and get Donovan Mitchell, and you, uh, then you make another move. Great, just explain to me where you got all the additional set of picks to go make that other move, because a lot right. of them are going to get used in this. The Cam Thomas piece is important too. I do wonder how many people that are in the Donovan Mitchell camp are being a little short-sighted about the idea of Cleveland will say, we'll take Cam Thomas, whether we're going to use them or we're going to send them through some, you know, but that's a valuable asset. It's always, again, it's always the give us your treasure for our trash and we'll be super excited to make that deal. So I think that's worth keeping in mind before uh, there's a couple of things here from a couple of questions and comments. Before we do that, let's just reset the table very quickly for anybody that came in on the live over 300 strong. My God, thank you for being a part of it. The Brooklyn Nets made two trades today, the first of which was Spencer Dinwiddie going to the Toronto Raptors in exchange for Dennis Schroeder and for Thaddeus Young. They also, we would say, supplementally let go of Harry Giles to make room for what we think will be additional players that are going to come in on well, the... Yeah, and I think it's going to be Keita Beats, Diop, and Jordan Goodwin, I think. Trade. Yes, the uh, those two players looking likely. Let's we'll talk about them in a second. But Royce O'Neal going to Phoenix, three second round picks, and then a couple of players, um, as Doug's mentioning there. Maybe we have a sense of who those two players are going to be. How do you feel about those two players? Do they have any impact to you at all for Nets? If that, if in I mean, fact, Goodwin, those are the guys. Goodwin would be like a third street point guard, which again they probably need <laughs> right at this point, um, just to have another ball handler because they really. You know, Dennis Jr. hasn't been exactly healthy. We already know about Ben Simmons. And after that, it's like basically Dennis Schroeder. So, like, I, I don't know, you know, if they have another ball handler. KDP has been in and out of the lineup. Um, it's not really a needle mover for me. That's really just sourly matching stuff. Um, and so I just, it's like, it's hard to really get excited about it. But, you know, another live body, you know, he's he's not exactly young. <laughs> so I, I don't, that that one just feel, feels like all fill. Yeah, it just feels like all filler to me. Um, yeah. You know, there was times when people kind of dreamed on this, especially when he was out with the Spurs, but it just really hasn't ever materialized. He hasn't really been able to, you know, he spiked one season of shooting threes okay and then has kind of dropped back down again. And what really wasn't, it was in and out of the rotation here for Phoenix when they were sort of more injured. But now that they were getting healthier, you know, with Beal back, and Grayson Allen fully back and like they, he just really wasn't, he really wasn't part of what they were doing. So it's not like, not really that exciting. I'm more just fine to just get the picks back. And if you think that these guys can play a few minutes, great. I, I don't really see them cracking too much of the rotation. No, it's a, you know, a guy that's never even sniffed the, the court really for Brooklyn. But it's like when you have a guy like Keon Johnson down in the G league, and you're talking about needing bring up a guy, Goodwin, 25 years old, knocking down 28% from beyond the arc. It's like, just, you know, there's an in-house guy you can give a chance to. Why not? 
But here's a couple of interesting ones. First, this is the most interesting thing you could say and a great way to get up onto the feed on YouTube. Man, am I glad you guys are live. Can't stand the BS on the other channels. I just want to hear about the Nets trades only. Well, that's what we're here for, baby. We're a Locked On Nets podcast and um, happy to have you on with us here. Stifler's mom. Oh, nice little nice little callback to a simpler time. American Pie style. My goodness. Uh, the other one here. From frequent that, mo- that movie franchise made like a billion dollars. If you ever think, if you ever think you, you can't be successful doing something dumb, go look at the American Pie franchise. It's like all billion. They ever. I'm pretty sure I made like a billion dollars, like between all the different movies and all the other things. Um. So congratulations. It's an inspirational story for us all. <laughs> One inspirational story, American Pie, as we all know. Uh, John, frequent flyer with us, as we as we say. Do you think the Brooklyn Nets two-year window involves them hoping Giannis or Luca? Oh, this wasn't even the right one I want to give for you here. Out since Donovan Mitchell could stay with the Knicks. Is that why Brooklyn isn't doing much? I don't, you know, the old keep your powder dry, you know, for the bigger move. That's great. And we've talked about that before. We talked about how Giannis or Luca is the guy that you give up everything and also, you know, sell your mother's soul in order to make that deal. I think Doug has often said he would give up his firstborn child for, for a move like that. But... You need to operate yes. on the both hand, right? Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, the, the second child is the more favorite of the two. But you need to operate on the assumption of that's not going to happen. Take the New York Knicks as the example. They spent years saying, well, we're going to be here for LeBron. Then we're going to be here for Giannis. And when you keep waiting for the superstar and then that superstar doesn't come, you end up being a bad basketball team. They finally started building, making some smart moves. Then you trade out a, dra- you know, a drafted player of your own in R.J. Barrett. You get OG. You get l- a little bit lucky in terms of the contract that Brunson is on, and he clearly is entering that superstar status, right? So I don't think you can operate on the premise that that's what we're waiting for. Because if you do that, then if it doesn't come to fruition, you're just a bad team. And that's what a lot, and a lot of teams do this. A lot of teams make this mistake and find themselves being closer to the bottom than they do to the middle or even top of the pack. I actually just think the Nets did just about everything they could do here. Uh, Like they really, and and I'll frame this by saying, if you knew you were not moving off from Bridges, which I'm fine outside of that one package, which I don't, you know, maybe was never even offered the Houston one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not doing that. There's no chance they were trading Simmons. And they kind of, except for the, and I explained, we explained why Dorian Finney-Smith not trading him. There's a story to tell yourself about that, which is not all that bad, which is like, maybe he's not, maybe no one's offering first because of the way the rest of the market shook out. And now you're just like, okay, 14 million next year. We could use them. Right. Like, I think that's fine. I think that's at some point you got to play, you got to play the games. (laughs) So, um, and I just think after that, like, I don't, what other moves were there? I would like someone to explain to me, actually, if you're disappointed in the trade deadline with the context of like, this is what they have, right. You always want to add these other superstars or whatever. I just don't, I actually don't know how much more even logistically could have been done when it comes to those. Okay, go ahead. Then I can comment quickly on those superstar ones, but yeah, like I just don't think what other moves, what other moves were there here? I I, I just doubt there was. And that's actually what I was going to touch on with DeJounte Murray, right? The the conversations, the speculation, the Lakers. Oh, well now someone had mentioned this on one of the social platforms of, well, it looks like the Lakers are, 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 you know, softening on wanting to go get Murray makes it easier for the nets to offer a first and blah, blah, blah. No, it doesn't make it easier. It makes it more likely that Atlanta says you're under contract. We'll wait to the off season. We'll hold on to you. Right. So you want those moves to happen, but everything about this deadline from seeing what, what assets were being given up for some roster and rotation players. You just said, where were you going to go? And probably the only, only way to make a bigger move like that would have been to overpay. And that would have been frustrating in its own right. When you look at it compared to other moves, you would have said, so the nets were so desperate that they went and threw everything they had for player X. Maybe it was Murray. They ended up giving 
two first round picks plus a couple of swaps to go get Murray. And on the, on the back end, you'd be looking back at it and saying, what did that really do for us? Right. Where did it really get us another year later? Yeah. And I just think that like, I, I just think that these, I, I think this, the CBA has really kind of made everyone, this new CBA has made, has shifted the market clearly in terms of like not wanting to one, get stuck into like longer term of contracts. If you're not positive about them, even if the value looks okay on them, mm-hmm. it's like, cause you really, it hurts you way worse to be on bad money now or money you don't want than it did in the past. And it already hurt in the past. And now it really hurts in the CBA. So when you look at guys like Murray and, and I, I just think like, is it weird that like the mechanics of the NBA didn't allow to facilitate all these different trades? Uh, to me, it's just not really that surprising. I, and I don't know. Is that what, is that, that answer the question? I'm not sure. I'm, I, I want to make sure I'm answering your question correctly or like answering oh, the yeah. thought correctly. I also, uh, yes, I think that every deadline is different, right? And you start to get a sense of it early. And then that informs whether or not your individual team based on expectations is or is not could or could not will or will not make you know make moves and we're seeing over in the comments here about um breaking news doug mcdermott traded to the uh, or the pacers oh well there you go the old, old dougie old dougie poo traded dougie bucket um, dougie buckets of now a pacers i gotta put it in my sheet here um okay sorry here's, go here's a good was... one uh h2 <laughs> does nobody want johnson get that bum out of here listen <laughs> again I'll go back on him just very quickly because people are interested about the Dorian Finney-Smith angle of this, um, and we can just drill down on that a little bit more. Doug and I do not look at his contract, I think, the way a lot of of the fan base does, that it's so terrible. It really isn't. There's a lot of incentives in that contract that he's probably not going to make. If you believe that there's a superstar coming, then I think you can squint and see where his value gets elevated over the life of his contract. If that doesn't happen, then yeah, you know he's, he's he's not the next step of a player that we maybe thought he was going to be coming from Phoenix. I just don't look at him as negatively as I think a lot of the fan base does. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think like, it's always like, you know, we always talk about this with expectations and, and actual performance. I, I think that ever, the second, I mean, I, I think that we would call this season disappointing, right. Um, from an expectation level. And there are some other stuff that, you know, things that point to the idea that like, you know, not exactly getting better and that's always that's always a little concerning you know you reach age 27 you just signed you know a multi-year deal maybe your role is going to increase he's still shooting 40 percent from three right like 46 from the field he's basically i mean the only thing he's doing fewer is is getting to the line less but that but that actually kind of makes sense because remember so much of this usage has gone to cam thomas right? right and so it's just going to be hard to find shots. I think that like, it's probably a bit overblown at this point about how bad like he is. I don't think he's not bad. I think he's not I, the biggest concern. He's actually been not been that healthy. <laughs> and I think that that's actually like a bigger issue than the actual on court play. He doesn't have a ton of juice, but he's not paid like a superstar. He just can't stay healthy. Like, I mean, to the cramping, the hamstring, the adductor now, like he's kind of just starting to rack up time missed. And so yeah. I, not tons, but I don't know. I'm not disappointed by Cam Johnson. It's just, he's probably overpaid by a few million. And sometimes you got to overpay guys a little bit like that to like keep live bodies in your team. And he had not made the leap that I thought we thought like there was to be like kind of a leap here. And that just hasn't happened. But I try to like temper my, it's only based on my priors. Like I think that like that would not be totally fair. If you look at all the, if you look at all the numbers, it's not, and it's not really so different than what he's been in the past. 
Uh, 12 minutes. Somebody asked 12 minutes and counting 3 p.m. Trade deadline. Uh, obviously, it'll be coming in the door and then we'll be doing um, some coverage. We'll do a, a traditional episode along the way here. You know, looking back at this, we'll also get a sense of, of where things stand over the next handful of games, you know, next week or so as some of these bodies start to get in there. What does Jacques Vaughn want to do in the rotation, et cetera? The other one uh, I, I saw this just from Henry. So we blew up a title contender, obviously the KD Kyrie era to not rebuild, but sit around with role players and fringe all-stars to hope for a savior. What is the point of this team? What are we doing here? Um, Again, when we like, put it like that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. when you put it like that, I guess, and, and you know, shut it down. Let's shut it down again. There's a finite number of teams that come into a year as title contenders, as guys that can really go get it. And, you know, when, when you frame it as we blew up a title contender, well, that kind of makes it sound like the Nets were, were in sole control of, of that. There were a lot of things going on. Now, could you have said you're all staying sorted out we're not we're not we're not giving up on this sure but it was it became to, it got to the point where you knew that these decisions had to get made i i agree with you because doug and i have said the full rebuild route is short-term depressing but long-term more stable of a route to go if you are a team that falls out of a superstar era the nets are choosing not to go that way they want to spend these next couple of years not totally dumpstering they don't have control of their own picks that's the big factor as we know and two years from now, they'll probably make some of the decisions on Mikhail Bridges, on Cameron Johnson, on all these guys we talk about. They will make decisions on them. I won't be shocked if those players do get traded and go to contending teams. What what will the market be for them two years from now? We'll see, right? Maybe it's never going to be the four first-round picks that we get thrown around for Mikhail. But I think that that's, that's part of the decision they made here. We do not want to totally dumpster out. We don't have our own asset control. So our rebuild is softly happening in the background with some draft picks. And two years from now, we'll actually get even more in there. So we talk about 27, 28, 29, the Nets are going to have 6,000 picks. Now, what they do with them is TBD, but that, that, that looks like that's always been their path here. They, never, they were never of the appetite to fully dumpster themselves coming out of that Katie Kyrie era. Yeah, like I just don't know. Again, like considering the situation they're in now, um, another massive move, Robin Lopez traded to the Kings, ground shooter. Um couldn't split get up the, 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 split up the Rolo and Brolo brothers. Brutal, brutal, brutal day for the Lopez brothers. Um, the I think just I like saw Brooke Lopez you know, tweeted uh, good riddance, which I thought, oof, bad look. <laughs> probably asked for it to happen. <laughs> I just don't know, like, well, again, like what the move is going to be. The only really thing that would have shifted majorly here is that if they just decide to pull the ripcord on bridges, which we knew they weren't going to do. So once you know you're not yeah. going to do that, you just have to go back to what your expectations really should have been here. I, I just don't think that they were going to do it. Now, I think the biggest, the biggest problem with the Nets this year. I, is on a macro level is that they are worse than they thought they were going to be like, that's, that is for yeah. sure. That's like for yeah. sure a problem for them right now. They are, and they're worse. than I think what we thought they were going to be too, like they are considerably worse than we thought, even with the understanding that this was like an in-between year for them. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that we sold ourselves a bag of like, you know, a bag of wishes here. And, and honestly, the, the, the play in the early season kind of actually confirmed it. Like, it's like, okay, this team is fine. It's like a high floor, low ceiling team. 13 and 10, seed, 23 seed. games. Yeah. Like, like, and then over the last 20 or so, they've stunk so bad that it's actually reset our, I think they, I think that's been the biggest problem. Really. Yeah. It's not that like the situation has not changed here. The situation is the same as the beginning of the year. Bridges on a great contract. They sign Cam Johnson. Decide about Claxton in the offseason. Wait out the Simmons contract, basically. 
Mm-hmm. Like that's all the same. That nothing's changed. The the the, the difference here is that they stink <laughs> and they can't win. Mm-hmm. And now it really and now maybe you want to say, well, maybe good on the Nets for having a, a steady hand here for not caving to the fact that they're worse and maybe not making a bad decision. I, I don't know. But I think that's the biggest difference is that everyone, probably including this team, with the group that they brought back, probably thought they were going to be like a 500 team, right? Yeah. Or or a little bit worse, but like, I don't know, that'd be okay. Make the playoffs, get killed in the playoffs, but don't give a lottery pick to the Rockets. But the problem is they're 20 and 30, and these other teams in front of them like didn't really sell anything off, so it's going to be hard to make the playoffs now. It's, it might even just be hard to make the play-in. And I think well, that's the biggest problem. I, like, and but that's but that's only a problem around expectations. That's like not different than where we were at the beginning of the year. There's, there's some other things, but I think that's the biggest problem. Uh, and Woj tweeted out here a few moments ago: Atlanta will not be moving. No trade for Dejounte Murray. They're going to keep him through the deadline, right? So, to just to your point, informing where the Nets stand there in in the playoff, they're just outside of the playing tournament behind the Atlanta Hawks. Going to be interesting. And the other thing too, there, there's one uh, one one nice comment here that we'll get to in a second. Remember too, like the 20 and 30 piece, again, we've we said time and time again, you cannot count on Ben Simmons' health. But now if you think about him coming back here, since he's been back and played in three games and the Nets are two and one, they played Utah, they played Philadelphia, heavily depleted with injuries, they played Dallas. I think we will, the end of year reflection on this team will also be interesting, right? Because you went through this absolutely brutal four and 14 run, just atrocious. But, I think if we look now over the last 30 plus games of the year and you see X in terms of results, even if they don't make the, the play in tournament, et cetera, I, I, you can tell yourself if you want to the story of, right. Remember expectations were kind of predicated on hundred percent health. And when you lose Cam Johnson to start the year and then he comes back, but then you lose Ben Simmons. When you lose even Dorian Finney Smith for a long run, when you lose Dayron Sharp, right? Their margins here were razor thin. And then, and then we'll go into Jock Vaughn and the development and the rotations and all those little things that probably impacted them as well. Good reminder here, though, as we start to wind down a little bit. Hey, Blah, honestly, we should be happy we're not the Bulls fans because they haven't done anything and we're in the exact same situation. <laughs> you could be the Bulls. You could be the Bulls doing what we feared the Nets might do. We're not making any moves. We're going to ride right through this thing. Watch out. Here we come. And, you know, you at least need to get some value when you can. So silver lining, silver lining. I saw you're two, not, you're uh, somewhere. Uh, there was a comment earlier that said, like, trade Simmons for Levine. I, I would not do that. I, so I don't know. No, we we talked it. about I'm that previously. Gonna, yeah. Not going to scroll up, but the too lazy to scroll up the um, <laughs> I would not do that for the simple fact that Simmons contract just comes off the book sooner. <laughs> like, yeah. I, forget everything else. Like Zach Levine looks like he just got a foot surgery so that they wouldn't trade him to the Pistons. I'm sure he needed the foot surgery it came awfully close to the time that they're like Pistons are interested in Levine. He was like, you know, it'd be also, also awesome getting a foot surgery and sitting out and sitting out the rest of the season. So I think that I would, um, I like for me, the simple reason I wouldn't do that deal is because the Simmons comes off the books two or three, I think maybe three years earlier. Uh, I'm going to jump in with uh Nets relative information. Sham Sharani reporting to avoid the $1.5 million upcoming contract bonus for games played. The Toronto Raptors are planning to waive Spencer Dinwiddie sources wow. tell the athletic. Interesting. Um, so buyout market, uh, he, and, 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 and he goes on to say he will be coveted by several playoff teams on the buyout market. 
fascinating fascinating what happened with him man that's a that's crazy like they makes it makes sense for the raptors because actually the one thing we didn't talk about that was i was like i'm not sure like where he plays like they their starting five is pretty much filled out and but Anyway, this makes uh, now him on the buyout market and not costing you the 20 million in the money on the book. Suddenly he becomes a very attractive player for a contending team to say, hey, it cost a cost us nothing to have you on our bench. And, you know, think back to the think back to the Dallas days, by the way, think about Dallas right now and saying maybe we'll just bring him right back into the fold because of how good he plays in a role behind a Lucas star level talent. And then obviously Kyrie being there now as well, although I'm not sure if they entirely got along. What do you think? What do you think? Was, think Sean Marks would go back and say like they, you know, signed Dinwiddie? What do you think? Yeah. Like, Honestly, let me just be clear here, Spence. Love you, love you. It's the price point. Ironically, it's the price point of the contract that we had given you before trading you the first time that we didn't want to pay. Insert Dinwiddie on a minimum. Insert Dinwiddie on a minimum. Anybody <laughs> talk yourself into it? I could. I could talk. Nets, Nets could use a use a ball handler. Um, it's stranger yeah, so, things, but that is interesting though, right? You know, Nets, Nets, Spencer Dimity comes out and says, no, that, that's not the buyout, all those things. And the Brooklyn Nets probably looked at it and said, well, the only reason why we're not waiving you is because we want to maybe get in a body, right? We want to try to facilitate this thing ahead of schedule rather than just straight letting or have an go. extra contract and not paying the 1.5 million for games played because you have to sit them. I mean, that's essentially what the Raptors did. Like they said, yep. it's worth it to just see you later than pay $1.5 million. Um, yeah, so anyway. That is the deal, man. Uh potential We're coming potential up against reunion. it. Sorry, the Jaden Springer to the Celtics, not not a huge deal. Um though they get like another guard off the bench. So so at the end of the day, we end up with I think Ian Norris is making fun of me. He says anyone else playing the Doug Norrie not in control of their own picks drinking game. I don't think oh. I said that really on this podcast, did I? I mean it's clear. I said they I mentioned the Rockets thing. I mean, to not mention it is insane. Like it's just um, like it's true. Hold on, hold like on. Follow have, up. Follow up. How many times? Guess many what? Times Drink. How, how they don't have to pull their picks. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and by the way, the Nets do not have control of their picks, buddy. You're gonna be on the floor in a second. You don't watch yourself. You got to be careful. Start Good. giving out. Yeah, you, dug, you dug your grave, my friend. Climb <laughs> <laughs> in. It's nice to hand you the shovel. Uh, as as we wrap up here, and the deadline is uh, it's two minutes away. So waiting for that big block, blockbuster trade. The Brooklyn Nets send out Spencer Dinwiddie to the Toronto Raptors. They get back Dennis Schroeder. They get back Thad Young. Thad Young expiring $8 million. Uh, you have Dennis Schroeder on a $13 million contract next season. Spencer Dinwiddie subsequently gets waived by the Toronto Raptors, so he'll be on the market. And then you have Royce O'Neal going to the Phoenix Suns for three second-round picks, also Goodwin and Bates Diop. And then Giles was waived, as we, as we kind of expected, that there would be too many players coming back in the door. So Harry Giles, we hardly knew ye. Those are the moves for the Brooklyn Nets at the deadline. And honestly, I, I think you and I are satisfied with that because we, when we did our preview, it was, do we think we get one? And Royce O'Neal is the guy we thought. So the fact that they, they did something to move off of, even if it's just for the sake of having guys in the locker room, contributors in roles, Spencer Dinwiddie was clearly on the outside of that looking in. So you, you facilitate, you get two guys off the books here and, you hope yeah we're gonna see yourself. some i think and like just minor things too i think we're gonna see some more jalen wilson now i think that's like pretty yes. that seems like it's gonna happen right like you clear out o'neill you um i think it's, that's a decent amount of minutes they're definitely gonna miss rose o'neill's three-point shooting just like for this year um but i think that's there's a little bit more of a path for jalen wilson there's more mm -hmm. of a path now probably for cam thomas to be a primary ball handler in the offense 
Um, like we saw Which the assist great coming off um, career high eight assist game, right? Like he's, he's yeah, we saw the assist kind of start to climb. And I think that we're going to see him maybe facilitating more of the offense. There's more of a clear path for that now. So I think there's like good, decent takeaways that we can take from this. That's just say, if we're, if we're looking at this glass half full, you know, got some more picks, little more, a little clearer path to the young guys, mm-hmm. you know, some trade ish assets for later, if they need it, like for next year and Schroeder, and that's just where they are. And like the hope here, like, you know, if you're a Nets fan, you're, you're going into this the rest of the season thinking, you know, can Simmons get healthier enough to play? Can Simmons play 25 more games? I mean, that's probably too many, but like the, can Simmons get up to high twenties minutes and, and play every game. That's not a back-to-back from here on out. Like that would yeah. be a massive win, right? Yeah. Like I, we dream, right? We dare to dream. Like, can he do that? Can he do that? I don't, I don't know. We are a couple of dreamers. You know, maybe we see more, maybe we see a little more clowny here if they want to maybe try to play him at the four a little bit and try to play him alongside Claxton if you think he can floor space a little, right? And try to get some more defense out there. I think there's, I think that there's just, I guess for me, I just didn't think too much more than this would happen. My version of disappointment from this would have been if we were recording now 301 Eastern and if it was like, because I joked about it, I actually thought it was going to be real. I was like, if it was just Dinwiddie and, Royce and they're all still here. I was like, this would be weird. This would be weird. <laughs> it's gonna be hard to talk about this if this is just like still the thing. So yeah. that was my my actually biggest in a in a world that's pretty cushy here. My biggest fear was that we were gonna get to three o'clock and be like, it was literally gonna be the same roster. And that was that would have been a disaster. And they, they didn't do it. And you know, and you know why too, because it, it it to think about a group of players then at that point too. That all kind of saw two things. One, that saw the writing was almost on the wall. And then cut two, know that the writing is on the wall. Expiring $20 million contract, Spencer Dinwiddie. Expiring $9.5 million, Royce O'Neal, right? Then you got a bunch of guys. And listen, they're professionals. They're going to go out and play. But it, it is different. And while the wins and losses may may dip here by playing more Jalen Wilson, who they should, and I'm excited about, 36.4% from beyond the arc this season on 11 deep balls. Looking forward to that. But you know what I mean? Like, that that does get weird. It does get weird after a deadline when when everyone's been kind of anticipating some things shifting. None of it happens. And then you're a veteran heavy team that's 20 and 30. That is that that that, that is a very that's a, a, a very rare version of an NBA roster that is that bad and also primarily veteran driven in terms of their construction. So hopefully we see some more some more young minutes coming coming forward here. All right, let's just wrap it up. We're gonna get out of here because we're gonna be coming back to you after the game tonight. Guess what? Kind of tonight. I think they have, yeah, I think they have eight guys good. tonight for tonight's game. Um I'm pretty sure. And so we'll double check that. So just as a recap on the trade deadline here, out Spencer Dinwiddie, out Royce O'Neal, out Harry Giles, almost out Dennis Smith Jr., but back on the team. Not not include. seemed like he was included in the trade, but he is still on the team. In Dennis Schroeder, in that old friend Thaddeus Young, in uh, Keita Bates-Diop and Jordan Goodwin, we're pretty sure on that one, and in three second-round picks. Adam, did I get everything correct there? Dude, you absolutely crushed it. And you also crushed the fact that we'll be back in live for the post game following the Cavs game, talking about a very short rotation familiar for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, until next time, guys, let me just leave you with this little bit of knowledge. I'm going to stay very traditional, Doug. Don't worry. I write myself out here. Uh, whatever nightmares the future holds are but dreams compared to what's behind me. Hold on to that one from Zoe Saldana. Oh, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again later tonight after the game, talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. Basketball, basketball.